Um, Lord God, we love you so much, and we thank you for this time together. God, I pray that you would um, speak through me. God, remove me from my microphone, and that your words would stick and my words would fall. God, we really just want to learn how to connect with you, Father. So we ask that you would just meet us here where we're at. Holy Spirit, touch hearts the way they need to be touched. God, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so every single one of us is a unique variation of the four temperament types. God didn't have an assembly line when he created each one of us. There is no duplicate of us. Now, there may be similarities between us, and it may be easier to connect with somebody because you're similar than it is with somebody else, but make no mistake, we are 100% unique. Psalms 139.14 says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, this scripture is speaking to our individuality in our creator. We are all made in his image and his likeness. Now, that being said, the four temperament categories we're about to go over are not hard and fast rules. They're merely a way to indicate and identify aspects of who we were made to be. Now, you will likely be a blend of the four. However, you will have two dominant categories, a primary and a secondary. Um, my primary temperament is sanguine, meaning I'm super extroverted. I'm a people person. I like to be the center of attention, which is pretty obvious because I'm up here in front of all you people. Um, I like to make jokes. And in fact, um, if, if I'm not making a joke, there's probably something wrong. Um, but my secondary um, temperament blend is melancholy, meaning I have an appreciation for organization. Things have a place and they should be in that place. Um, I'm, you know, creative aspects, um, musicality, that sort of thing. But um, I, I have points in the other two, and, and they don't dominate my personality like the other two do, but they do enhance it. Um, so we will have a blend of all four, but you will have two primary, a primary and secondary. Um, now, the test you took and the book that I am teaching from contradict each other. They're written by two different people based off the same principle. And for the purpose of this class, we're going to be teaching out of this book, which is called Spirit-Controlled Temperament by Tim LaHaye. We have it in our bookstore. Um, the main difference between the test and the book is that the test says that my personality type doesn't exist, and as a sanguine, I will not be told that I do not exist. Um, so I recommend picking up this book if you want to get more into detail about your personality blend and your specifics. Um, we have it in the bookstore. It doesn't look like this anymore. I think it has like a tree and some funny colors. I don't know. It, Jen knows right where it is, so just, just have to just talk to her. Now, each one of these categories and blends can look different in different people as they have different defining factors and traits. It can also differ between men and women, levels of maturity, and as well as external factors. Meaning, you can, if you're a sanguine, you can learn cleric traits if you're put in a leadership role. Or if you're put in a role where you need to take a back seat as a cleric, you can learn phlegmatic points and so on and so forth. But to quote um, Tim LaHaye out of this book, these are not intended to lock us into one particular personality, i.e., we are not allowed to blame our sin on our personality type. We are not slaves to our personality, we are slaves to Christ. If Christ is changing us day by day, he will sand away the rough edges so that we will become more like him. So the four singular categories are as follows. The powerful cleric. Now, the cleric temperament is fundamentally ambitious and leader-like. They have a lot of aggression, um, energy, and or passion, and they try to instill it in others, sometimes forcefully. Um, they can dominate people with other temperaments, especially phlegmatic types, because they're very introverted and that, um, that sort of thing. 
But many great charismatic military and political figures were cleric, and they liked to be in charge of everything. So really great examples in our own fellowship family of clerics are our lead pastor, Pastor Dan. Um, pastor Hooper Sr. is a cleric, Pastor Tim, Pastor JL, pretty much our whole leadership team are clerics, and, and it shows they are very leader-like, but um, they're, they're awesome leaders. Um, a biblical example of a cleric would be Paul, the Apostle Paul. You can see this is evident by the way he led many churches very well, um, and he was very to the point, and he was not letting go of his mission. Now, next we have the popular sanguine, and so myself. Um, so it's funny, actually, the, the descriptions of each um, temperament type are very indicative of like the person that they're attached to. The cleric is very short and, like, short and to the point. The melancholy is very organized and well-spoken. The, the phlegmatic is very laid back and like really nice wording. And the, the sanguine's paragraph is like this. It's so much longer. It's got so much more words in it. And it's because we like to talk. The sanguine temperament is fundamentally impulsive and pleasure-seeking. Sanguine people were also considered fairly sociable and emotional. They tend to, be, uh, tend to enjoy social gatherings, making new friends, and tend to be boisterous. And they are usually uh, quite creative and often daydream. However, some alone time is crucial for those of this temperament. Sanguine can also mean very sensitive or compassionate and thoughtful. Now, sanguine personalities generally, generally struggle with following tasks all the way through and can be chronically late and tend to be forgetful and a little sarcastic. Often, when pursuing a new hobby, interest is quickly lost when it ceases to be engaging or fun. How many of you have ever done that? You started a new hobby and you were like really great at it for like 15 minutes. You're like, this is actually kind of boring. I don't want to do it anymore. That's me. I have, I have a bow that I've never shot. I have like 15 fishing poles that I've used twice. I have a guitar that I don't play. I get bored. I don't know. Um, some really great examples, uh, probably the best examples of sanguines we have are myself and Pastor Amelie. We're actually the same temperament type, sanguine melancholy. We're, we're kind of the male and female version of each other. And so when we kind of get on our, like, our sanguine kick, not a lot of stuff gets done. But we do work, Pastor Dan. We do work. It, it does happen. Um, that's when our melancholy points kick in. But a biblical example of a sanguine would be King David. Um, because he was very expressive in his worship. He was always around his mighty men and his people. Um, and I don't have, and it says that in this book. I'm not just making that up. So I'm like, yeah, I'm like the King David. I'm a man after God's own heart. It says this in the book. Um, now, I don't have proof of this, but I believe that Adam was also a sanguine because sanguines are really bad at being alone. And when at, God saw that Adam was alone, he said it was bad. So he made other people. Um, I, I don't know if it's a stretch. <laughs> um, now, next we have the perfect melancholy. Um, the melancholy temperament is fundamentally introverted and thoughtful. These are your contemplatives, your detail-oriented people. Melancholic people are often perceived as very or overly pondering, or pondering and considerate, getting rather worried when they could uh, not be on time for something. The possibility of being late stresses out a melancholy really bad. Whereas me, I'm like... Oh, I was supposed to be at that thing 30 minutes ago. I guess I'll go now, you know. <laughs> um, a melancholy uh, can be highly creative in activities such as poetry and art and can become preoccupied with the tragedy and cruelty in the world. Um, melancholies are also often perfectionists. They are self-reliant and independent. And one negative part of being a melancholy is sometimes they can get so involved in what they're doing that they forget to think about anybody else. Um, a really great example of a melancholy on our staff is Pastor Will. Do you guys know Pastor Will? He's one of our, he's our children's pastor. 
and one of our youth pastors, he is like, everything's got to be straight on his desk. And one of my favorite things to do is when he's not here and go in his office and I'll like flip his books over so they're upside down on the bookshelf and out of alphabetical order, like move his pencils and you just, ah, oh, it's great. That's another sanguine trait I didn't mention is we, we really like to bug other people. <laughs> um, and finally, we have the peaceful phlegmatic. Now the phlegmatic temperament is fundamentally relaxed and quiet, ranging from warmly attentive to lazily sluggish. Phlegmatics tend to be content with themselves and very kind. They can be very accepting and affectionate. Um, they may be very receptive and shy and offer prefer, often prefer stability to uncertainty and change. However, they are consistent, relaxed, calm, rational, curious, and observant, making them great administrators. Sorry, my grandma's calling me right now and pulled me out of my notes. Um, <laughs> great administrators, and they can also be very passive-aggressive. So those are the four basic types. I mean, it's, that's why there's four colors on the test. It's there. Those are the four singulars. That's going to be one of your primary will be one of those, um, obviously. Now we're going to move into the blend. So your primary and your secondary. And I have a lot to cover with these. There's so many of them. So if you have a question, like Amelie said, go ahead and write it down and we'll save it for the end. Um, and I'm going to try and be as clear and concise with these as well as cooking along because there is a lot of information. So we're going to start with the choleric um, blends, starting with the choleric melancholy. Now the choleric melancholy's strengths include industrious and capable, they're practical, optimistic, um, quick, analytical, and determined and quick-witted. However, they can struggle with being a dictator or being opinionated without a filter, argumentative, workaholic, sarcastic, and prone to hostility and resentment. Now next we have the choleric phlegmatic the most subdued or most introverted extrovert. Try and figure that one out. Um, their strengths is they are calm and deliberate, subdued, well-organized, great leaders, and they're very administrative. Our senior pastor is actually a cleric phlegmatic. And so he's very, very leader-like, very directive, very, very much in charge, but he's also very reserved. He is a slow-to-speak kind of person, and he usually is the last to speak up, which is funny because he has the final word as well. Um, but, but weaknesses when out of control in this temperament can be resentful and bitter, bullheadedly stubborn, not good at owning mistakes, and prone to not reaching their capabilities. So moving right along into the uh, cleric sanguine, the second strongest extrovert there is. Productive and uh, purposeful, meaning they're very intentional. Everything they do has a reason behind it. It's not manipulative, but it's intentional. Um, they're natural prom promoters. They're your hype men. They're going to get you to do what, what they need you to do. Um, they're charismatic, motivating, fearless, energetic, convincing, and charming. But weaknesses can include volatility, hostility, impatience, difficulty concentrating on one task. They can be very opinionated, prejudiced, impetuous, and can be manipulative. Um, so those are the four cleric blends. Um, so they, you can see that just in the one primary, they have a, a wide range of what, what they're experiencing and how they act with other people. But you can also see that they have a common thread of their, they're very or, like driven, that they are leading the pack and you better get, in, get behind them instead of in front of them because you could probably be kind of bloody. Um, so we're going to move on to the sanguine blends now. And this is the one I, this is the ones I know the most about, obviously, because I operate in them daily. Um, the sanguine choleric, this is the strongest extrovert. This is the person who like 
it is very clear when they enter the room because they make an entrance, very grandiose. But they're the they're the sales type of person. You know, they could probably take your wallet from you and sell it back to you with the money in it, and then you thank them. Um, so their strengths are they're very complimentary, they're charming, charismatic, and very driven. You know, they they can they can work a room and everybody feels like they're known by this person. But their weaknesses are. Um, as you know, they, they're complementary to that, is they talk too much, they dominate conversations, they suffer from egotism, anger, and potentially can be manipulative. Um, next we have the sanguine phlegmatic, which is the least extroverted sanguine. These are healthy, or happy-go-lucky kind of people and they're great at helping. Um, the book actually says that they're the nicest guy you'll ever fire. Um, they're not motivated, not self-motivated, they really just are more interested in talking and have a good, having a good time. But they're optimistic, even keeled. They're very loving. Um, they, they're a big joker and big hearted. Um, but the weaknesses can include that they lack discipline and self-motivation, that they're too casual, they're not serious enough, and they're reactionary. Now, the best of all the, sangu- uh, of all the personality types is the sanguine melancholy. Um, sanguine melancholies can be emotional and, and are really prone to public speaking and teaching, right? They're performers, and they have a great uh, ability to commune with God, which is why the book points out David. He's a man after God's own heart, right? He, he had a really great relationship with God. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just telling you the facts. Um, so they're people uh, they're people. people. Uh, their uninhibited perfectionism is a strength. They can be accurate, emotionally intelligent, and they have a great ability to connect with God. But their weaknesses include being very critical. They often mull over offenses and um, they're insecure and afraid of their own potential, and they can suffer from anger as well. So those are the sanguine blends. And again, you can see the common thread is they're all really life of the party. They want to be known by everyone in the room. If they haven't talked to you yet, just wait a second. Um, So then we're going to move into the melancholy blends. We're going to start with the melancholy sanguine. Now, we are not the same. They're the inverse. They're the weird version of me, okay? Um, The melancholy sanguine is very different from me, but they are scholarly, analytical, loyal, devoted, accepting, and gifted musicians and performers, and they're very responsible. Um, But their weaknesses include they're prone to mood swings, can be reactionary, emotionally driven by circumstances, criticals of others, Um, they're very rigid, uncooperative, fearful, and insecure. Now, we've heard this phrase reactionary or emotionally driven by circumstances a couple times now. Um, that basically means is when your external circumstances drive your feelings. So what we need to be striving for is being rooted in our identity with Christ. That's the whole point of this class is we're trying to figure out who God made us to be so that when the storms of life come against us, our identity drives our feelings and our actions, not our circumstances driving our actions and our feelings. Um, so we need to keep that in front of us. That's, that's all this is. is it's, it's a guideline and an indicator of who God made you to be and how to handle life successfully. Um, so next we have the melancholy cleric. And vocationally, they can do anything and do it well. And they can probably do your job better than you can. Um, that's a joke. It's, it's, a <laughs> it's probably true, but it's a, it's a joke. Um, so they're determined, self-willed, extremely strong leaders. Um, they're very efficient, and however, they can be difficult to please. They can be self-persecuting, um, hostile, very critical, can suffer from being angry and nitpicky and have a negative attitude. Um, next, we have the melancholy phlegmatic. Um, their strengths are analytical perfectionism, 
organized efficiency, which is like, really? You had to put organized and efficiency in the same descriptor, aren't they? Anyway. Um, they're very astute, detail-conscious, accurate, intentive, um, inventive, and a specialist, meaning they're at the top of their field. They know exactly the ins and outs and everything. And if you have a question about something, you're probably going to bring it to a melancholy, uh, what did I say? Melancholy phlegmatic, because they know everything there is to know about that. And so those are the four melancholy blends. Are you guys starting to get an idea of, of what you might be? Um, we're going to move into the phlegmatic ones next, so don't worry, you're not left out. Um, so we're going to start with the phlegmatic cleric. Now, a great biblical example of a phlegmatic cleric was Abraham. Um, he was driven by fear in his, in his early life, but once the Spirit of God was upon him, he became a father of our faith. So once he was motivated by the Spirit, he, he let, we are now in our faith because of Abraham, uh, largely. So strengths include, um, they're a great listener, they're patient, very gentle, first-rate professionals. Like nobody is as professional in the boardroom as this, um, this blend. Um, practical, helpful, and trustworthy, but their weaknesses can be they're unmotivated, they're fearful and stubborn, unyielding, uncooperative, sedentary, internally angry, and passive. So now we have the flank, the phlegmatic, the flanguine sagmat. I don't even know what I was going to say there. That's the phlegmatic sanguine, um, which is the easiest of the 12 blends to get along to. They get along with. What is going on with my mouth? Um, I'm just going to move on. Their strengths include they're very congenial, they're happy, cooperative, thoughtful, people-oriented, extremely diplomatic, dependable, fun-loving, and humorous. However, they can be very undisciplined, unmotivated, very fearful, a worrier, insecure, um, extreme introvert. They're, they just like hole up and they just want to be in the corner and have everybody leave them alone. Um, they can be very timid. Um, Next, we have the phlegmatic melancholy, and this is going to be our last example of the blends. Um, a good biblical example of this was Barnabas. Um, he, he worked with Paul a lot, and he was, he's known as the son of encouragement. So they're really loyal friends. They're, they're very encouraging, very great people to have around. Um, but if, if they're not around people they love, or if they're, they're kind of spiritually empty or not led by the Spirit, they can be a real bummer. They can be Eeyore, straight up, just... Ooh. I don't know what I'm going to do today. What should I eat? I don't know. I don't even like food. Um, that sort of thing. But, but they have lots of strengths, including being merciful and helpful, neat, organized, analytical, dependable, exact, strong at detail-oriented work. Um, they're very handy, and they work well under external pressure. But they suffer from weaknesses such as passive, uh, being very passive. Um, they're very fearful, selfish, negative, critical, have low self-worth, um, they're afraid of involvement, and not internally motivated. Um, so those are all the blends. So you're, you're going to be one of those, one of those combinations. Um, and so that, that actually leads me into my next point that I want to talk about. And it's something called chameleonism is kind of the, the, the term we're coining. Um, it's kind of self-explanatory, like chameleons, they blend into their surroundings. So chameleonism is adapting to a social group or another's personality to fit in better. Now, this can be confusing for some and make it feel like it's harder for you to determine your actual personality. Um, however, it's more of an indicator than you think because this kind of behavior shows a people-pleasing tendency and two of the temperaments are very much people-pleasers. That's the sanguines and the phlegmatics. Um, on the sanguine side, it's going to look like 
because I'm a sanguine, I've actually struggled with this. Like, I want everybody to be having fun. I want everybody to be having a good time, and I'm worried about if everybody's having a good time, and I'm all over the room, all over the party, making sure everybody's okay, they have what they need, and I'm not worrying about myself at all. And so I'm trying to please everybody else before myself, and the same with the phlegmatics. However, they just want to make sure everybody's okay, everything's peaceful and quiet. And the kumbaya, and we're all just sitting there, and everybody's okay. And so they're going to go out of their way to make sure everybody's needs are met before their own. And and this can be a, a really hindering sort of thing. Um, this this tendency um, needs to be watched because it can lead to an unhealthy fear of man, and and then the spirit of fear just gets in there and preys on that extremely hard. And it's and it's it's a hard thing to undo. So that's why we need to pay attention to being a people pleaser. It's okay to worry about yourself. I know, like I'm speaking to myself, come on. Like it's, it's okay to, to put your needs first. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this is meant to give you some strategy on how you function. It's, it's not meant to be like, you are this, so you will do these things. These are not bullet points for you to check off as you live your life. This is merely guidelines to give you a better idea of who you are and why you do the things you do. Um, so why is it important for us to understand our personalities? Well, it's an indicator of success in our lives, but it's also a huge indicator of how you're going to connect with God most. Now, because of my temperament blend, I personally feel most connected to God in a hugely emotional worship setting. So like like a first revival setting or, or like a worship night that we do where it's like a huge extended time of worship. I just have tears running down. I'm a crier. Anybody else in here a crier? I say I'll cry at the drop of a hat. Anytime there's a like a commercial about like a dad dropping his like daughter off at the airport, like forget about it. Like game over. I'm just gonna go home. Um, and so because I'm an emotional person, because I'm so apt to my emotions, I experience God through my emotions a lot. And so especially during worship, is that like I'm crying out to God saying, I need you, I love you, and I'm overcome with my emotions because that's how He made me to connect with Him. Now, and, and that's the same thing with all of you in your blends. Now, and this book is going to teach a lot about that, but um, in the coming weeks, we're going to go over uh, another book called Sacred Pathways that speaks directly to that. So I don't want to show too much of our, our cards there. But um, it's also going to help us understand how to interact with others successfully or point out when, what's, what is potentially preventing us from interacting with others successfully. Now, one of the things that I get hung up with on this is I, I struggle with being very critical. And so, like, for example, if somebody were to do some work for me and I didn't make my expectations abundantly clear, like I didn't tell them exactly what I wanted, when they bring me back the finished product, I tend to be really, like, internally critical. Like, oh, well, you didn't do that the way I did it. It's actually a funny story. Um, I am super into making, like, craft coffee. And so like I'll like I'll hand grind the beans and I'll put them in like this. It's called a pour over set. And it's basically like a really slow drip coffee maker. Um, and I, it takes forever, but I love it. And so like I do it a certain way because I learned a certain way. Well, my sweet wife was like, Sean, I want to make you coffee this morning. I was like, okay, that'd be great. That'd be, I was running behind. And, and so like she goes out in the kitchen. She's doing her thing, making coffee. And I find myself like I'm combing my hair and I'm freaking out. Like, I'm like, she's probably not doing it right. <laughs> I'm like, and I find myself out there, I'm like, what? You're, oh, you're doing it that way. Okay. That's cool. It's all right. So I go back and I recluse back to the bedroom. And I'm like, go 
back out. Are you sure you want to? Okay, yeah, you're good. You got it. I trust you a lot. Um, and then next thing I know, I just straight, I took, I take it from her and I just start doing it. And like, so I tend to be really critical or can be and struggle with being really critical of the way others do it because it's not the way that I would do it. Um, and of course I wouldn't like blatantly tell somebody to their face like, you did that wrong because that's not my way. Um, that's, that's just really hurtful and I, and I try not to do that. But that's one way I, I get hung up with interacting with people is I, I, I try to control things because I didn't make my expectations known. Um, another example of that is, is insecurity. And, and for me, that manifests in when I'm public speaking. So like when I'm telling a story or something, I'm worried that it's not going as well as it should or if I, I, or I, I think maybe that joke wasn't as funny as it could be or the, the story that is supposed to be really funny isn't getting a lot of laughs. I used to really struggle with, I would start exaggerating it. And now, now storytelling in, it, in itself is exaggerative. It's got drama and, and fervor and you want it to, you want to captivate your audience. But, but it got to the point where I would start making up details that weren't a part of the story. And it's like, that, yeah, we're all laughing at it, but that's lying. Right? Lying's not funny. <laughs> like it's, we're all laughing, but it's, exaggeration is a form of lying. And so that's why it's really dangerous. That's why we need to be acutely aware of our negative attributes and not own them. Because I was like, well, I just exaggerate because I'm a sanguine and I'm very demonstrative and dramatic. And, and then next thing I know, I just, every time I tell a story, the fish got bigger. It's the same fish. It was this big. But now it's this big. And I had to fight that fish to get it in the boat, like physically wrestle it. And that didn't happen. I don't even think I caught the fish. As we heard earlier, I'm too, I get too bored too easy to fish. So I, you see how it's a slippery slope though? How those little things that can be so innocent can all of a sudden be a huge problem, a huge issue of lying. And so that's why we're striving to be spirit led in our temperaments, in our Christ given identity. We're not identifying ourselves. We're identifying how God made us. Because when we're spirit-led, it's so much easier to move past those attributes because we have conviction. We have the Holy Spirit who wants us to be in community with him and communing with him, and we don't want to mess that up. So we obviously try not to sin. Um, and so that's, that's what we're going for here, is we're trying to be spirit-led in these. That's why we're not we're, we're grabbing onto our strengths and we're claiming those because they're awesome, they're good, they're strengths. But we're acknowledging our weaknesses and we're striving to get better. Now, how can we apply this? This is, uh, that's great, Sean, all this information. It's like drinking out of a fire hose, but how is this applicable to me? Well, I mean, it's applicable in our everyday life with every single person we interact with. In the, in the workplace, it teaches you how to interact with your boss. Maybe your, blo- your boss is a strong cleric and you got your feelings hurt because they told you exactly what to do, how they wanted it to do it, or how they wanted you to do it, and when they wanted it done by, and they were very harsh. Well, that's not necessarily their fault. That's the way they're made. And so it's our job to be in control of our feelings in that moment. It is our job to say, I might be apt to get offended by that a little bit because my personality type is not theirs. And their personality type acted that way towards me because that's the way they are. Now, when people are spirit-led, filled with the spirit, they're going to they're gonna temper those negative things way more. They're going to be so much less harsh in, in the cleric um, category. But, but there's still a tendency. And so that's, we're paying attention to how we interact with others and how our personality type is, is predetermined to interact with others. Does that make sense? And so like in your marriage, this, Dan, you're a sanguine, right? 
Casey? Cleric. So, you don't like to get anything done because you like to have fun, and you want everything done right now. But because you guys know that about each other, you're able to have a happy, healthy household, right? Yes. And, of course, you guys have like a thousand kids, so that throws a wrench in it. But that's, that's, that's what we're going for, is, is you're trying to learn how to interact with each other successfully because of how we were made. Now, my wife and I were both sanguine. We get it. Right? There's not, not, neither of us are really offending each other because we're, we understand each other. Um, and it's going to make it easier for you to identify others' personalities as well. You're going to have a better understanding of how Eric has made Samantha because you have this information. Now, <laughs> pro tip, don't go around telling people who they are or what they are <laughs> because that's an extremely cleric thing to do. <laughs> now, if you're a cleric, you're probably going to do it naturally and you, you're honestly, you're not going to care. But uh, other, other of us with softer hearts a little bit are going to be like, I'm not that. What are you talking about? But <laughs> all joking aside, all of the other stuff aside, the main focus and application of this, the big thing is this is intended to help you figure out how you connect with God. That's the whole point of this course. Your identity in Christ is going to determine how you most successfully hear from him, feel his presence, read the Bible, interact with other believers and how you worship. I'm Like I said earlier, I'm going to be more apt to worship hard abandoned. I'm, I'm sure most of you have seen me down there jumping around, throwing my arms around, or when I used to be on stage, like acting like I was in a heavy metal band. But that's because I want to dance before the Lord. That's my response to him because I am a very responsive person to that sort of thing. It's going to look different for each one of us. Now, all that being said, there are going to be some instances where some of these traits just don't fit. And that's okay. It's We're all different, and and these are just guidelines, right? That's what I've, I've said that a thousand times. I feel like a broken record. They're just guidelines. These categories aren't meant to define you, but give you a better idea of who you are and why you do the things you do. So when reading this information, when you read this book, try to be as objective as possible. Take it in. Be open-minded to the fact that, yeah, you could struggle with that. Or, yeah, I am really good at that. That's another thing. We need to be more, like, we need to be better at, at acknowledging our strengths, right? There's, there's not insecurity in the kingdom of heaven. That's not a thing. And so it's okay to be confident in who you are and, co- and confident in who God made you to be and confident in your identity. Amen? You guys are okay to be strong at your strengths. You permission granted. Um, so we need to own our strengths and build our confidence in our Christ-given identity. And we need to acknowledge our weaknesses, but don't let them define you. Now, we need to understand ourselves, we need to understand each other, and we need to learn how to work together as a body of Christ in unity. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14 says, for, the, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Guys, we're not all going to be feet. Like, that would be a terrible body if we were all feet. There's going to be hands, there's going to be feet, there's going to be eyes, ears, nose, mouth, arms, legs, torso. The body is very diverse, and that's, that's okay. That's what God is saying here, is, is you're going to be different than who you're sitting next to. And we need that. We need the diversity, but we also need to understand each other so that we can be 
a body. If the hand is broken, the foot doesn't get to say anything about it, right? So we, the body will heal itself. Um, so that's, that's pretty much all I've got right now for, inf uh, information. So if there's any questions at this time, I would like to answer those as best as I can. Uh, the book is called Spirit-Controlled Temperament by Tim LaHaye. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So the reason it changed is because you can learn other points. You can get stronger in attributes. The, Bi uh, the Bible. This talks about how Jesus was a bl the perfect blend of all four. He was 10, 10, 10, and 10. Um, so that's what we're striving to be, is we're striving to be strong in all four so that we can be more Christ-like. But yeah, you can learn more attributes. I'm a sanguine melancholy, and I have like three or four cleric points. But when I have to be, I can be just as leader-like and cleric as anybody else. You know, that's, that's why it seems to have changed. But also, like I said, there's external factors that could, could play in. It could also play into your mood when you took the test. Like, that's why these are guidelines. So I would go with the average, which sounds like sanguine cleric, not the, the, not the outlier. Um, but, but yeah, it, it's not that it changes. It's that you, you strengthen in one or, or weaken in the other. Does that make sense? Yeah, adapting. That's a great way to put that. That I'm aware of, no. But in this book, there probably are. Um, those are just the ones that I was aware of and was able to um, pick out. But but I'm I bet there are some in the book. But I mean, like like you could you could make a guess of like Luke was a doctor, so he might have been a melancholy because that's a very detail oriented job. Does that make sense? Or or Barnabas was probably a phlegmatic because he was so loving, yeah, so laid back, that sort of thing. Um, and, and if you find that you are a cleric, study Paul, study other, study Peter, you know, the, the clerics in the Bible. If you're sanguine, study David, study Adam, you know, um, but you're going to get a lot out of those characters because you're going to connect with them on like your, your personality and interpersonal level. Does that make sense? Um, it can, um, but you'll probably, like I said, you'll probably have a uh, primary and a secondary. Um, and the third one, it might have a higher score, but you're still going to have those top two, hopefully, right? Any other questions? Yeah. Well, at I mean, it, it, it relates to it in the ways that you interpret those things. Like, so because I'm a sanguine, I'm going to be more apt to be touchy-feely through my body. Um, and, and not like I'm going to walk up and touch and feel you. But I'm, I'm, more, <laughs> I'm more willing to hug you than, say, a phlegmatic. Like Jeff, our head of maintenance, if you hug him, he squirms. But he doesn't like it. He's not into physical touch, which is also part of our love languages, which is next week. Um, and so all of this is interconnected. And so, like... 
in spiritual applications, like my, like the spiritual disciplines I'm going to be more apt to are going to be intrapersonal, meaning corporate versus interpersonal because I don't like to be by myself. Um, does that make sense? Yeah. That's those negative attributes that you're going to try and move past, that you're going to try and strengthen or, or temper. Um, that's, that's controlling our flesh. That's tempering our flesh. Um, and so that's why this is called spirit-controlled temperament, because we want to be led by the spirit, not by the soul. The soul is our mind, will, and emotions. And so when we're led by that, we are leading ourselves, and, and that's, that's a recipe for disaster. That's why the Bible tells us we need to put to death the flesh, den- deny thyself, die to yourself, that sort of thing. And so that's why we want to be spirit-controlled, because when we're listening to the spirit, we're more likely to operate in our strengths than we are our weaknesses. Any other questions? All right, so show of hands, where are my clerics? Clerics. That's funny. The clerics are usually the, the dominant, which is funny. Um, they're usually the, the majority. Melancholies, where are you at? Primary, yeah. Primary. Melancholies. There's, there's a ton of melancholies. How about our phlegmatics? You guys are, you can raise your hand higher. Like a, <laughs> you don't have to be afraid. It's a safe place. And sanguines. Usually sanguines are both hands like, me! Um, that's interesting that the melancholies were our primary. It's usually clerics. Um, so I actually have some dis- discussion questions if you guys want to come discuss in your tables about how this, this interacts with yourself, if that's, that's all right with you. Um, so, the first question is, how can my personality type deal with other personalities with compassion, love, and mercy? So we're looking for how do my strengths show Christ-like love to other personality types? So why don't you guys go ahead and take a couple minutes and discuss among your tables. How are we doing? Are our sanguines and clerics dominating conversations and our phlegmatics and melancholies feel like they're not heard? Melancholies are taking over. Interesting. <laughs> All right, probably just a couple more minutes on this question. If you're not done, um, if you are, just wait patiently, I guess. Which is hard for sanguines. All right, let's go ahead and move on to our next question, which is how can my personality build up other personalities? How can my personality build up other personalities? How can I encourage and edify other personality types successfully? All right, are we ready for our next question? So our our last discussion question is going to be, how can I be unoffendable by other personality types? Meaning, how can I be in control of my own personality type and identity so that other people don't offend me? So that when a choleric is really aggressive towards a phlegmatic, phlegmatic just goes, you know, maybe they're having a bad day. That sort of thing. The benefit of the doubt. How can you be unoffendable in your specific blend personality type?
All right, so now I want to push you guys out of your comfort zones a little bit, especially you phlegmatics. I want the cholerics to get up and go to this corner area right here, kind of by the offering boxes. I'd like the melancholies to go to this corner. I'd like the sanguines to go to this corner and the phlegmatics to go over there, but not too far away so you don't feel left out. I just, I know them really well. <laughs> Sanguins are over here, in this corner, by the large thumbprint. Yeah, you got, I think so, yeah. Partly, yeah. All right, so you see other like people standing around you. Now we have a group of people over there that's going to try and control exactly how they're going to interact with each other. And then this group of people is going to be really analytical about, well, what did she say? I don't know. Maybe we should uh, analyze it down to the very, like the meaning of the Greek. Um, these guys are going to try and over talk each other and make jokes. And you guys are probably going to stand there quietly. <laughs> that's not true. You're right. Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Stand up to me. That's awesome. <laughs> that's my sanguine temperament is I'm going to point out the obvious and not really care. <laughs> I do care. That's not true. So what I want to do next is I want you to step to where your secondary is. Does that make sense? So if you're, if you're a cleric and your secondary is a sanguine, you're going to go here. If you're a sanguine and your secondary is a cleric, you're going to go over there. And so I want to like get the room real diverse. The cleric is that corner, phlegmatics, sanguines, melancholies. Okay, yeah. I bet you're I bet you're a sanguine cleric. That would be over there. Then you're probably gonna be the melancholy. Sanguine melancholy. Eight and eight, huh? Well, pick one. <laughs> this is the melancholies. Anybody but them, that's funny. So this is a completely, hopefully a completely different group of people. Not necessarily. I see a lot of the same clerics in the corner. Are you guys all the same? Like the 100% of the same group? No. No? Okay. Okay. I was like, seeing a lot of the same people, I was like, no way. That's crazy. <laughs> gotcha. Makes sense. So basically, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to look like. We're supposed to be all mixed up interacting with each other. Like, we're not supposed to kind of herd off in the cleric camp and the phlegmatic camp because nothing would get done, Right. We would all be offended by the other group. We would all be trying to, to figure out what they meant by what they said. And then everybody else would be like, why are they not doing anything about this? You know, it, it's a very diverse thing. But the, the root is, is we're all followers of Christ, right? The, that's the whole point. This is so we can come together and build the local church and share the good news of Jesus Christ the most successfully. 
This is so we know how each other interacts and we can be loving towards each other and not accidentally brutalize each other. And, and, and that's, that's one of the main things we're trying to achieve with this whole course is just knowing who you are in Christ so that you can successfully be a disciple of Christ, so that you can share the good news well, so that you can interact with people in your hometown well, so that you can interact in your own families well, and so that you can connect with God in the way that he created you to connect with each other. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. What's that? From the number to the first seven, almost identical to the That's interesting. All right, so do you guys feel like you have a better understanding of this, like a, a better understanding of, of why you are the way you are or why you do things the way you do? Are there any more questions that arose as, as, more, as, as time went on? No? No more questions? Eric? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we were, that's, that's a good point is like you can learn traits from the way you were raised. We were talking about how it can be as external as where you were regionally raised. Um, she was sharing a story about how she had a couple interns, one from Brazil and one from South Africa, and they had a cultural misunderstanding. Um, one interpreted the phrase that the other one said very hostily when the other one probably meant it to be funny. You know, it, it, it can be that external. It can be how you were raised, where you were raised. I was saying like the South is a completely different, almost a different country from where we live here in Colorado. And so the way I am in the South could be wildly misinterpreted as, as who I am. But here I kind of make more sense. Does that make, does that make sense? <laughs> Any questions at all about any of this? Robin? Okay. Yeah, does anybody want to share how they've had success with that? Like, of how you've, you've built up some, somebody else's personality that you probably struggle with? Eric? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, speaking those strengths over each other. Like, hey, Tacey, I noticed that you are really good at organizing this room or organizing this table. Would you do this for me? You're really great at leading the room. I need you to, you know, building each other up in the strengths that you notice. It doesn't even necessarily need to be like, hey, you're a great melancholy. Like, you're the best melancholy. Like, it can be like, you know, you're super organized, and I love that about you. Or like, I heard a compliment that was, it was kind of a backhanded compliment, but it was actually really, like, loving. It was like, you're so excessive. I love it. I love how excessive you are. And he was talking to a sanguine about how, like, he does, it's, it's all or nothing. Everything he does, he puts 100% of himself into. And it's like, that's actually a strength, is it's like, 
You're so excessive. It's amazing. Does that make sense? So like calling out the strengths in each other and, and when you notice that somebody's operating in a negative, it gets a little more like dicey and, 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 and fragile because we are all so different. I'm going to take a corrective word way different than Eric's going to take one or than Corbin's going to take one or than Dan's going to take one or than Cindy's going to take one, you know? And so that's, that's where it's, it's important that we understand each other and know each other so that if we do need to like confront somebody on an offense or a correction or something, we do it in the most gentle way possible, the most um, receiving way possible. Does that make sense? Like the way that their heart is going to take it well instead of the way that you want to just do it. You know, it's, it's about being in the body of Christ is about serving. It's about serving each other. And so when we le- learn and understand each other, we can serve each other better. We can, we can confront each other in a loving way. We can, we can serve each other in a way that is, that is tailor made to us. And so, and that's why these are not hard and fast rules. That's why it's not like I need to identify that Corbin is a choleric sanguine so that I know exactly how to talk to him about anything. No, it's, I know that Corbin is pretty choleric. So this is how I'm going to approach this conversation with him so that he feels loved and served and built up. Does that make sense? Cool. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's great. Did everybody hear that? Um, showing each other grace. Guys, Jesus died on the cross for us because we are, we are we're sinners and we all deserve death. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin are death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. So the grace that he has for us is what we're trying to show to each other. And that's, I understand that Sean is disorganized and late, so I'm going to give him some grace there. Like, it's that simple. That's showing grace. Like, it seems funny, and it's true. I am disorganized. I am late. But, like, when people are patient with me because they understand me, they know me, and they want to get to know my heart and know that about me, it's easier to extend grace. That's, that's all that is. Is, is it's getting to know each other. We're, we're giving each other dignity and humanity so that we can be graceful towards each other or gracious towards you. I'm very graceful towards you, Eric. No, gracious with you. Sorry. But yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly it is, is we want to show love and grace towards each other and give each other the benefit of the doubt instead of, well, he was five minutes late, so obviously he doesn't care about my time. And it's like, well, no, I just, I, I got really into the episode of Fixer Upper I was watching and, and forgot that we had a meeting. I'm really sorry. Chip Gaines is my homie. Like, I, I really like Fixer Upper. My name's Sean, and I really like HGTV. Is anybody else here with me? Hi. Cool. Is any, any other questions, final thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep, that's because our flesh is selfish and we want what's best for us. Um, that's, that's our carnality, that's our human nature, is we're trying to, 
to get ours. We're trying to get what's best for us. But but as we know, the kingdom of heaven is countercultural. So obviously it's going to flip that on its head. And that's the taming of our flesh is we're going to go out of our way to serve each other. We're going to go out of our way to love each other, even though what we really want to do is is the exact opposite. Carrie. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that, and you know, I do the same thing, but internally, it's like, can I just, can I just be perfectly honest with you guys? Like, when I am behind a slow person in any setting, I am a like a second from coming unglued. Like, I can't handle it. Like, seriously, it drives me insane. Like, I'm in Target, and there's somebody just like, oh, yeah, that, that one smelled, this trash bag smelled like fresh Febreze. I'm like, move! Get out of my way! <laughs> like, you are taking up the whole aisle. This is not about you. And then in that moment, I have to remember, it's not about me, right? It's not about me. It's about, I don't know what they're going through. I don't know what... They could have a, a father who is about to die from cancer, and what they're doing is taking their mind off of it. Or, or they just lost a child, and they're out, that's the first time out of the house. And, and it is our job to be gracious towards each other and understand that. And so when we understand ourselves and the way we operate in our personality types, we can be gracious the way we were made to be gracious. And like I shared earlier, for me, it's I have to ask God, God, how do you see this person? How do you see your precious child standing in front of me, taking up the whole aisle? Like, it's, it's important. God, it's important because God, God loves them so much, so much that we can't even fathom, and he loves us the same way. So we need to extend that love to each other. Cool. Any other final thoughts, questions, comments, concerns? No? All right, next week we're going to be doing love languages. So the five love languages. Um, I will make quizzes for both of those and bring them next week if you didn't get any. Can I have a show of hands who hasn't taken either of those? Okay, um, I'll bring like 10 to 15 just to be safe. And um, try to get here a little bit early so that you can take that and be prepared for class. Um, but otherwise, I'm going to go ahead and pray and close this out and we'll dismiss. Um, Lord God, thank you so much for this opportunity to learn about how you made us, God. Thank you that you did make us uniquely and individually, God. Thank you that we get to we get to share that with the body and with each other and with the world. God, thank you for your grace that you extend to us, Jesus, through the cross and through what you did for us. Jesus, I pray that you would show us how you see people every time we interact with them. That way we can lovingly show your love to them. We can show the Christ-like love and grace to them that you so desperately show for us. God, we love you so much. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.